0: Hi, friends. I am Erin from Erin Whelan Online, and this is a podcast about my family's homesteading journey from an urban farm in Washington State to 120 acres in Tennessee. This is our journey of how we got to where we are and how we're building our homestead from the ground up. Thanks for being here. Well, hello, friends. We meet again. I cannot believe that this is the first full week of June. Honestly, I feel like this year has gone by so extremely fast and I'm just like holding on and trying to make all the things happen. If you hear baby birds in the background, that is not my chickens back in here again. That is now my 28 guineas. We ordered 25 guineas. The experience with ordering the guineas, we ordered from Cackle Hatchery versus, I forget the first hatchery we ordered from, but... The first baby chicks that I've ever ordered in the mail, they kind of got lost in the mail. Hold on, I have to cough. Sorry about that. So yeah, I ordered them. They sent a email saying that they were shipped and then they didn't show up and they didn't show up. And um, our, <laughs> our post office here closes every day at 11. And so they get there at 7 a.m. And after 11, you can't get a hold of anyone. And so I would call every morning at like 7.30, are my baby chicks there? Because they don't send baby chicks to your house. They, they keep them in the post office because the post office has, you know, air conditioning or heat or whatever it is. Um, and then you have to come pick them up at the post office. So your phone number is on the outside of the package and they call it as soon as the chicks arrive and you go pick them up. Well... My baby chicks weren't there. In day three, I have these baby chicks in the mail, and I'm freaking out because I'm thinking they're all in there dying. Well, I, I, by this time, I know like all the ladies' names, the post office by heart because I was calling them daily, and so, um, finally, come to figure out. I'm about ready to give up. I've called the hatchery, I've called the post office, like the main post office. I have the postal, like the code and everything. Was it the the tracking number? And no one knows where these baby chicks are. And then my lady called me from the post office and they weren't delivered to the post office here locally in my tiny little town. They were delivered all the way in Jackson, which is about 35 to 40 minutes away. So the postal person went and drove and grabbed the baby chicks, not just mine. Actually, there was another set of baby chicks. So someone just didn't know what they were doing and they delivered them to the completely wrong post office and they had to bring them back here. And then I had to meet her and pick them up. And one of them did pass away. She was pretty rough from the very beginning and it took her about 11. Less than twenty-four hours and she died, Um, and the rest of them rebounded pretty quickly. But with my guineas, oh my gosh, they shipped, and I got a shipping confirmation at eleven o'clock, like a few days ago. And then the next morning, Travis and I had stayed up late, and so we were sleeping in, and I hadn't turned my ringer on on my phone. (laughs) And so I finally roll over and I look at my phone, and like I said, my post office is open early, and I have four missed calls from the post office and they were like begging me to come pick the chicks up and it was Friday and they close early and she's like if you don't pick them up if I don't hear back from you within the next 20 minutes this was the last message she left me she's like I'm gonna have to return them back to sender and so I called her and I was like, Pam, I was like, don't, don't send them back. I'm coming. So I literally jumped out of bed and within 10 minutes, I was at my post office picking up these baby chicks. So they were in the mail for less than 24 hours and they sent three extras because I ordered so many, I ordered 25. And so I have 28 and they are all alive and they are doing amazing. And anyhow, that was like a really long introduction. I'm so sorry about that. But anyhow, all to say, if you hear baby chicks in the background, those are my little baby Keats. Okay, so I kind of want to backtrack, too. So I was I always try to re-listen to my podcast right before I film a new one, just so I can remember where I was at and where I left off. And I wanted to kind of backtrack as far as, okay, so let's say you find a house and it's beautiful and you love the acres, you love everything about it well, but what if you have really crappy neighbors? Or what if the town is just like tiny and falling apart? Like, how do you know these things? How do you know that it's not a great house in a really bad area? And I kind of have a formula for this, and so I did this with all the houses that I looked at, is if I like the house, Google Maps is amazing. So Zillow and Google Maps were my two go-tos that I was constantly checking um, back and forth on both of those. Uh, Google Maps is amazing because you can type in an area and then you can type in, pizza and it shows you like the nearest pizza place because I have little kids and we want to do activities. I didn't want to live so rural that we had to go 35, 40 an hour away to do all of the fun things. I really wanted to still like we live on a farm. Yes, but I want the accessibility of being close to the library, close to not just a small town, but like a thriving small town. I don't care if it's little, but I want it to be little and alive. I don't want there to be like, you know, the, in the movies where the dust things billow through and it's like the eerie old music because it's like a dying town. And there's one person sitting rocking on their porch chair. Yeah, that wasn't what I wanted. And so what I did is once I liked a, a house, I would type in like what is the nearest town and then I would take that to Google and I would say what is the population of this town and if they were a population of like 3,000 or more I was like okay I can get behind that I grew up in a town where at the very beginning I mean the population of Deer Park now is way more than that but I remember driving by the sign when I was little and it's a population like 3,007 <laughs> and Deer Park was a wonderful thriving little town so to me I kind of took my little town and I was like, I want a little town like the little town I grew up in before it went all crazy. And now there's like a Taco Bell there. Um, I wanted that little town. <laughs> and so and so I would research and see, OK, there's 3000 plus whatever I would. So I would, I guess, Google um, and then Google Maps and um, or map, Google Maps, not MapQuest, Google Maps and then Zillow. And so once I kind of researched that town and said, OK, this is decent, then I would pin drop myself in this town so i would see how far away the town was from my house i really didn't want anything more than 25 minutes from at least not from like a big town from Jackson. We're about 35 minutes from the from the south side of Jackson, I guess. um And right there, there's a Lowe's and a Walmart. So 35 minutes and I can hit those huge big stores. But my little town has like a Piggly Wiggly and that's 12 minutes away. And they have tons of little eateries. They do actually have a subway in the strip because ours is a college town, too, which I'll get if you can find yourself a nice little college town. um those are so good because they are alive. And that's what I love about Henderson is our town is dripping with life. I mean, there is college kids all over the place. We actually had graduation not very long ago, so it's a lot quieter now. But um, but it's just such a fun little town. So anyhow, I would... First off, I would check the town closest to us, see if the population was okay, see if I felt like the town was alive, and then I started pin-dropping myself where my neighbors were. Now, depending on how rural you're looking at property, you might not be able to pin-drop yourself on the road that you're on. Like, you couldn't pin-drop yourself on my road but you can zoom in over the top on Google Maps or you can zoom in over the top on Zillow. And so I would also Zillow my neighbor's houses and see when was the last time it sold? What does it look like? Is there pictures of the interior? And so I would kind of just go over that and I would work my way down the road on either side of the house and say, OK, I don't care if I mean, I don't really care what kind of house they live in. I don't care if it's a mobile home or if it's like, you know, a four story villa. I just want it to be taken care of and nice. And obviously there are some dating. I mean, you don't know exactly when um, the Google Maps driver drove through or when the last time it was taken a picture of like over and in- by satellite or whatever but you can get a pretty good understanding and pretty good clue of of how the area looks and so I did that and then I would go to Google Maps like I said and I would just go to the area and I would be like um, laundry mat and see where the closest laundry was steakhouse I did it for golf courses Travis really likes to golf so I put golf course and like four golf courses popped up within um within like 35 minutes of us I would put in state parks hey where's a close state park that we're at that we have access to be able to go to state land and do some tours or lake I would type in lake and see what the closest lake was so you can really research Two, I mean, you could spend hours and hours just researching what is around your area. And then you can also save those. Um, let me just look at my phone to make sure I'm saying the right thing because I always don't. And then I re-listen to these podcasts and I'm like, Erin, you're an idiot. Yeah. it's so it is. It's Google Maps. And so... um and so I would just everything on there, anything that was important to me and my family, I would put on there just to make sure that it was close enough. And I would write a little list of, OK, this property has these things closest to it. The town for this property has this many people. There is, you know, these are the the um, things in the town that we really like. And you can save those on Google Maps so that you can like create files in Google Maps and save places so that you can go back and visit them later or historical sites, all that kind of stuff. And so you really want to dig in to the area. I even called (laughs) because we want a cow. I called around to see where the closest um, large animal that was to our house because I wanted to make sure that if I had a cow, I wasn't driving 40 minutes to the vet or having the vet come here 40 minutes and racking up a huge bill with mileage. And if there was an emergency, I want a vet close by as well. So really think what is important to you and then check to make sure that yes, the house is great, but if it doesn't have all these amenities and the things that are important and you're just going to be feel like you're isolated out there, well, that's not gonna be good for you and you're gonna be very frustrated. And we definitely have more of a drive to go to places and to do things but that's but that's okay because but because it is accessible and it is only about 35 minutes away but if we want to go to the library um that's 15 minutes away if we want to go to chickasaw state park which is a gorgeous gorgeous state park they have a wonderful lake um that is about 25 minutes away the other direction there's pickwick lake which is very close and everyone here i haven't been to it yet but everyone here says it's absolutely stunning and i really wanted to go to that we saved our kayaks we almost sold them because i was like okay you guys the one drawback I would say for living here versus living in the Pacific Northwest is the water here is muddy. And like we knew that going into it, but it's still one of those things that you kind of mourn because you don't have that beautiful, fresh, uh, like glacier fed lakes or rivers or streams. It's just kind of, it's just muddy here and that's okay. Uh, but so the, the lake in Chickasaw wasn't too bad. Um, and, but we hear the Pickwick Lake is even better. So, We're going to check that out. But anyhow, we almost sold the kayaks. And I was like, no, we just got the kayaks for the kids the year before. And I was like, we're going to find a place to use those. So I'm really hoping the Pickwick Lake is nice for that. Also, here in Tennessee, there is no... um, Like in Washington, we had to pay a state park fee every year to be part of the state parks. You had to like put in your window and I think it was like thirty five dollars. And then if you wanted to launch a boat, you still had to pay money on top of that, depending on where you were going. Well, here they just consider a part of your taxes. So there is no fees for using any of the state parks um, or using the waters or anything like that. I mean, some of, so Chickasaw State Park, you can rent horses, and there's things that you can do that cost money while you're there, but access to the park and parking and all that kind of stuff is free, which is just so, so cool. So that's that was really important to me, and that took a lot of time, just really pin-dropping, Google, um, and Zillow, just Zillowing all your neighbors and all things. When was the last time this house sold? Because you have to think, too, I mean, how long are you going to be in this house? Is it going to be forever? your forever house? Is it going to be something where you want to flip and maybe you want to the potential to move one day? So is this an area that's growing? Is this an area where you feel like if you put a few years into this house and you fix it up, are you going to make a good return on investment if you go ahead and and decide to sell or if you're buying 20 acres but you really want to expand and you want 100 acres one day well are your neighbors butting up against each side of your property or is there some property open next to you where there could possibly be a chance where you could someday go to someone and say hey can i add additions on i've heard of so many people purchasing the property around our neighbor um, down the road he has purchased several of his neighbors when they you know they're they're old they want to retire the kids don't want the property he's purchased that his property and it grew from I think they said they started around 25 acres to now he has well over a hundred and so that's something that a lot of people do they just want to expand their land so just kind of make sure that around you if you want to grow or if you want to sell or whatever you want to do in the future that it is compatible with that in the area that you're looking to move also most of you probably know this but I just I didn't even think about it until we had already put, I mean, until we were already buying this house, is make sure that your house is not in a flood zone because insurance goes through the roof if you're in a flood zone. So our insurance would have doubled or tripled if we were in a flood zone. Um, Thankfully, we're kind of on the top of a little hill here because there is a lot of rolling hills. I don't know if you've been to Tennessee, you know this, but if you haven't, you might just think it's like flat plains Um, Because you think tornadoes that kind of stuff, but it's not Tennessee is very much There's no mountains or anything, but there's a ton of rolling hills and it's just a beautiful landscape But there is a lot of flood zones and there is a lot of water here a lot of flash flooding and that kind of stuff when it rains here it rains so make sure that you're not in a flood zone and the flood zones do change so there's never a guarantee that they're not going to redo the lines and somehow you'll be in it but just keep that in mind and then also make sure that you're close to a not a volunteer firehouse but like a real firehouse because if you're not then you there's not trucks to bring the water to you because obviously we don't have like the little water Oh, like a fire hydrant. We don't have fire hydrants here. And so they have to bring water trucks to you. And so you need to be within so many miles of the firehouse for your insurance to um, be a good rate. So insurance for flood and fire is a big deal. So make sure that you're just, um, I forget, it was like, was it within eight or 15 miles? That's a big difference. But it was something like that. And I'm sure it probably varies per area too and per state and all that kind of stuff. So just make sure that you're looking into that. Also, with the kind of house that you're looking at, kind of no. So when we purchase, we want an old home. Well, older homes about our age, which are around 100 years old, are harder to insure um, because they're just, I, I don't even understand really. It's just It's been standing for 100 years. Like you feel like it's kind of a sure thing, even though ours is having issues right now. Um, not issues, but like we still haven't found anyone to fix our foundation yet. But um, But they're more of a risk, apparently, for the banks. And so some banks won't take you um, or they're going to charge you more as far as insurance per month and different things. So kind of know that, too, when you're going into it. When we had our realtor, Heather, she immediately connected us to a loan officer who we went through and we got approved and everything. Well, the loan officer and the realtor, I don't know who it would be. Probably the loan officer, I think, has kind of their insurance people on standby and they give you like, These are our preferred and then you can research those and check them out. So maybe something to do at the very beginning is to like reach out to some of those insurance companies and be like, listen, this is the kind of house we're looking at. You know, do you insure houses like this? What do you recommend? What do you look for? What are your issues? They had an issue with our um, fireplace. So it's not a fireplace. It's a stove um like where it's completely closed in and it wasn't tall enough and so they had to have someone come out here and look at it and then tell us we had to fix it within so many months like extend it because it wasn't quite over the top of the roof line um and then it was fine and then we all weren't in a flood zone there were, what else were they worried about I think that was it it was mostly just the stove which was like so weird um so they had a guy come in here and check it out but all to say things are going to vary depending on the house that you want to purchase the age of the house and the area you want so make sure to check all those things um and i'm trying to look at my list here crime and that kind of stuff so that was kind of one of the reasons that we didn't want to live close to a, a big city is crime and all that jazz um memphis i think has one of the highest crime rates in tennessee the city of memphis and that's about an hour and a half from us. And then Jackson is really close to us. The crime rate there is just it's it's just kind of what I would consider average. Um I mean don't go don't go to the sketchy parts of town in the dark at night. I feel like that's pretty much common sense. But anyhow, um so Jackson's pretty normal um, nashville i mean it's a huge city so obviously you're gonna have some crime there too and then knoxville supposedly is i think knoxville might be like one of supposedly the safest safest areas in tennessee as far as like city size goes but it's also the most expensive to live at so we looked at a lot of homes over in the knoxville area but we would have had to compromise on property size or We would have had to do a lot of compromising to make it work there within our price range. Um, And so that's just kind of one of the things that we didn't want to do. And, you know, we were like, let's move to West Tennessee. We found this house. We loved it. And we're like, if we, again, this house, I mean, I think we're going to be here forever. But we knew that the potential to fix this house up and to sell it and to be able to make some money off of it is decent. As long as we don't go into a huge recession or something, you know big doesn't happen that we um have instant equity in this house we're gonna fix it up and we could sell it and move to a different part of Tennessee if we felt like it and so it's nice to just kind of know that even though we don't plan to sell the fact that we could if we needed to for some unforeseen reason in the future is just kind of like makes you feel better you know um and so I'm just trying to think here Let's just get into the planning and getting down here for the home inspection. Again, the home inspection for us wasn't something that we could look at and say, okay, we want you to fix this, this, and this, and we could negotiate with the sellers, it was, is this house gonna be good enough as is that you still want it or are you going to back out because there's gonna be issues. So we were meeting a home inspector here that our realtor had recommended to us and we were gonna go through the house with him and then he was gonna obviously give us his report. So we really wanted the home inspection to be done at our previous house before we flew down here for this one. And that was just to make sure that our home inspection on our current house went well and we would just feel better coming down here knowing that our sale was a for sure thing they didn't there wasn't anything they come up in the home inspection that would have changed their minds or done something to where it could have um, canceled the current sale on our house and then we'd be coming down looking at this house when there would be no need anymore because we would have not met our obligations to sell our house and all that and then we would be coming down here for no reason. So we really wanted the home inspection done on our house first. Uh, It was done before we came down, but they found some mold in the attic and were basically like, we wanna have a mold inspector come out and a bunch of stuff. And at that point in time, we kind of done some back and forth with the people who were purchasing our house. And I was like, no, which apparently you can't say no. Apparently like if they find something like that, they actually, can go and um, get someone to look at it. But we had our realtor just put some pressure on them and say, listen, we can get another offer. If you're gonna keep bringing things up that you want looked at or things that you want done, then we can just go find someone new. Like we have a house that we're already looking at. And if you're really serious, then don't put us through a bunch of hoops for our current house that you're trying to purchase. And so then they were like, okay, okay, okay. Um, We won't do that. We'll have someone look at it later because the mold was dead. Like we knew it was there, but we had redone the roof and we had done some stuff. And so it was no longer an active mold, which we knew and which their home inspector had told them as well. So it was just kind of weird that they had wanted another opinion. Anyhow, um, so that was like all happening right when we were supposed to leave and we were just a little bit irritated, but that got resolved before we flew down. And so we flew down Um, so we made the offer on the house on february 7th and we flew down on the 20th of february to look at the house so we flew down at about three o'clock um we got in at midnight so we got in basically on the 21st to like 1205 and went to our hotel in nashville and then the next day we were driving down pretty early in the morning to meet the home inspector and when we decided to meet with the home inspector we wanted to do it um, about midday because Travis and I really wanted to find the Kroger's that were close to uh, the the Kroger's that he was, would potentially work at and drive the route of those to our house. So, and then to drive through the town of Henderson that we were gonna live by, we really wanted to not only check out the house, um, but we wanted to check out the area to make sure it was really something like when we did our pin drops and everything, that it was actually held true to what I had researched and what I had found. And so we left early from Nashville drove the two hours to jackson we started in jackson we went to a few of the um, croakers there we drove around jackson we worked our way down to henderson we grabbed coffee at the coffee shop there we kind of walked around the town it was so adorable Um, school was in session there was like kids walking around town with their backpacks on the college Um, it was just a very beautiful well-kept town so that was all like we were so excited I told Travis I was so nervous to come to our house because I loved the town and the area so much that if I didn't like the house or if something was wrong with the house and we couldn't get it I would be absolutely devastated (laughs) Which I guess is a good way to go into it. Like you like everything else. So please, dear God, let the house be okay. Um, and so we met the inspector at the house with our realtor. And I just remember it was raining and we rounded the corner to our house. And it was like, it's on this little hill. All the houses are pretty close to the roads. That's probably the only setback. But we're kind of on a hill. So I feel like that, that helps a little bit. And we are going to put a fence um, along the road anyhow. But we rounded the corner and we saw it. And I was just... It was instant love. I mean, I was, but again, I was so terrified that something was going to come up in the inspection and we were going to have to turn it down. That was my, me and Travis's biggest fear was he was going to say, the foundation is rotten or something is wrong with it. And before we even came down, our realtor, because uh, termites and post hole beetles, apparently are a thing here. She asked the realtor who had this house, hey, when was the last time it was inspected or something was performed to um, combat these issues and the realtor's like I have nothing on record that anything has been done to this house I don't know if it's termite damage I have no I have no idea you know and so she was like hold your horses before we even came we'd already booked to come down here but she said I want to get someone out to do an inspection to make sure you guys aren't flying down here for no reason and the house is compromised by you know termites and we're like oh my gosh again nothing that we we don't have termites really in the pacific northwest so these are things like that it's so good to have a realtor in your like on your side that knows what they're doing because she's going to bring up issues that obviously are very common in this area that we had no idea that we're supposed to look at there's just so many issues you're like oh, termites in the south duh, Aaron. but when you have so many things like the termites and then the um make sure that that you have a fireplace next to you or the fireplace but like Uh, You know what I'm saying, like the flood, all that kind of stuff. Like there's so many things happening that you just, you can hardly figure out which way is up and which way is down. So... She had someone come out and do an inspection on the house to make sure. And so we were like waiting for the inspection and waiting for the inspection. And we were, I remember I was in my bedroom and I called Travis and I was like, I can't take it. I was like, we'd already had some issues with, like I said, with the selling of our house and the people who were purchasing it and just some wishy-washiness going on there. And then, um, you know, we're, we're going to fly down here. We don't even know. And now there might be a beetle issue. And she was just kind of, not that our realtor was trying to, But she wanted us to be very well aware that it could be a huge possibility that there were termites in this house because it hadn't been taken care of. And we live so close to the woods. I mean, you walk 30 feet in each direction and you're in dense, dense woods. So the fact that it hadn't been, nothing had been noted on it and it, it looked like it had been neglected, she was like, I'm kind of afraid that there's going to be termites so we were really terrified and i remember i think the guy it even took him an extra day to get back to us on it so like we didn't even get she said oh well she gets a report on tuesday or whatever and by tuesday night no one had messaged us or called us or anything and travis is like texting me has have you heard anything yet have you heard anything yet and i'm like no no i have not um but then the next day she called and she was like he said you're good like he said you're solid there's some damage but but like nothing that would compromise any of the wood like there was a few nibbles here and there but they've been taken care of it had been resolved there was no current issues going on um he said it was really good he said that he's seen houses that are new builds that have more damage than our old almost 100 year old house so he said that there wasn't any structural compromise from bugs we were still set we could still come over and so um so we can we kept our booking obviously and we met them on February 21st at our house and so I will end there today and we will talk about going through the inspection and just kind of oh, I feel like it goes on a wild ride from here on out like not that this wasn't wild but once your feet are in it and you can't really back out there's just there's so much there's so much that went into this that we thought we might lose the house so many things I can't even I can't even right now we will just discuss all this later um but anyhow, so I hope that was informative, that that just kind of helped you as far as pin dropping, checking the towns out, checking the areas out, Zillow and Googling, do all your research, fire departments, all that kind of stuff. Um, learn from our mistakes. So <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Make sure you're following with me along on Instagram. If you guys have any questions, let me know. Um, that's kind of where I hang out most. I love to do Instagram stories. And so I will talk to you guys next week.